Episode 42. Hey, did you see what's in season? Do not say the A word. You know how she gets. Mmm, apples. Greetings and welcome in to the Patuxet General, your spot for all things Patuxetish. I am your host, Jess. I grew up here in Patuxet and can give you those local treats that you've been craving. This week is full to the brim with info. We have two apple cocktails, an apple pudding, a friend of the podcast poetry, and the most local ghost story of all, the Puckwudgie, plus a House on the Corner special short for those of the fans of Cujo, a retelling of The Hound of Church Street. But first, I would like to thank our Patreon subscribers, like DW. These rosy-cheeked folk are the Macintosh, McCoon, Gala, Cortland, and Honeycrisp that make up the orchard that is the Patuxet General, without whom we would merely be turf. So thank you. If you would like to become one of these crisp autumnal folk, look for our page on Patreon.com or simply follow the link in the show notes. But until then, I'm hungry for apple pudding. Here we are at the peak of apple season and the start of pumpkin season here in R.I. My mother had a surprising apple recipe go-to during the 1980s, and once anybody tried it, they begged for it again. So, she gave me that much-loved cookbook that it came from called The Rhode Island Sampler with Recipes from Southern New England Restaurants. Its copyright is 1988, and she gave it to me for my birthday ten years later. The page with this recipe is stained with splatters of years of use and many handprints from tiny helpers. Baking this in the oven makes the entire house come alive with fall excitement. So, I bring to you apple pudding. For this recipe, you will need a glass or ceramic casserole dish, four apples peeled and cubed, two eggs, four tablespoons melted butter, one cup flour, one half teaspoon salt, one teaspoon cinnamon, a half teaspoon cloves, one teaspoon nutmeg, a half tablespoon baking soda, and one cup of sugar. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Sift all the dry ingredients together in a large bowl. Then add the peeled, cubed, and cored apples and eggs and melted butter, then mix. At this point, you could add raisins if you wanted to, but that is optional. In all fairness, I make mine like my mom's without raisins. Pour the batter into the casserole dish and bake for 45 minutes. Serve warm with whipped cream or ice cream for best result. This dish is quick to assemble and great as a holiday breakfast treat. The way discussed today is served by the scoop or spoonful. However, you can do individual tiny versions for parties or brunches, a perfect seasonal comfort food that you didn't know you wanted yet. Sometimes simple is best. Enjoy. That makes me thirsty. About an apple martini. This week, we have two drinks for one special ingredient, apples. Both of them call for cinnamon syrup. I suggest we start there. For this quick step, you will need one cup brown sugar, one cup water, and crunched up cinnamon sticks, 
one small pot and a strainer. Put all three ingredients in a pot and bring to a gentle simmer until the sugar disappears. Remove from the heat, strain, and let sit to cool. Refrigerate the leftovers, if there are any, and continue with the apple juices used in both these drinks. If you have a juicer, by all means, juice some of our local apple cornucopia and I'm sure it will be amazing. However, if you don't have a juicer, or perhaps you don't have access to right-off-the-tree seasonal apples, well then, I say that you could substitute an unpasteurized cider from a local farm. You could always punch it up a bit with a few drops of lemon juice or cinnamon sugar on the rim. Let's not get too hung up. We're making cocktails here. It's supposed to be fun. For this first drink, the apple martini you will need... One ounce fresh juiced apple juice. Your favorite flavor, tartar, works better. Half an ounce of honey, half an ounce of cinnamon syrup, half an ounce of lemon juice, and two ounces vodka of your choice. Now, if you dig flavored vodka, an apple or cinnamon would do well here. You'll also need a chilled martini glass, apple cubes for garnish, and a shaker with ice. Throw all those things into your shaker except the cubes. Put those into the chilled glass. Then strain over the apples and serve. Lovely. But if you think that's good, you will have to try this one I came across while doing research for this show that blew my mind. Search for it yourself on YouTube as the Apple Rumble. For this drink, you will need an old-fashioned glass, short and wide, two ounces of your favorite rum, spicy does well here, half an ounce of cinnamon syrup, half an ounce of lemon juice, and two ounces of apple juice, and one scoop of ice cream of your choice. Vanilla is suggested, but how about apple pie or cinnamon chip? How about blueberry oatmeal crumble? I love that stuff. One cinnamon stick for garnish, perhaps a straw spoon, and a shaker with ice. Add the rum, cinnamon syrup, lemon juice and apple juice to the shaker, get it nice and cold, and then strain it into the glass. Add a scoop of ice cream and the garnishes, and I think you are going to need that straw spoon. And uh, enjoy. This is from a close personal friend of the general and gifted poet with spicy delight in cinnamon. Published February 4th, 2022, Healing Insights with Jen. The fragrant cinnamon sprinkled on my oatmeal, fills my nostrils, signaling the start of my day. I break the fast and gratefully accept the flavors of blueberry, apple, and walnuts. It is but a few minutes of quiet nourishment, and I try not to get lost in thought of have-tos and time constraints. Each morning is like this. A brief moment to savor before the mad rush of getting the kids ready for school and my morning commute to work. All is still, just in this moment, floating fragrant cinnamon oatmeal fulfills and fuels me, for I know not what today brings. But for now, just in this moment, I am nurtured and whole. Thank you, Miss Jen. And now, the Pukwudgie, a Rhode Island folk monster. I often walk through Fayfield Trail and think that I spot shadows or lights out of the corner of my eye. It always reminds me of the legends that I heard as a child of the Pukwudgie and its companions, the Tepe Wankas, otherwise known as Will-o'-the-Wisps. 
The Pukwudgie is a tiny humanoid creature standing approximately two and a half feet tall with grayish-blue skin, bodies covered in thick hair, and wearing moss, leaves, sticks, and other natural camouflage as clothing. They are agile and swift and known to carry small knives and bows and arrows. They can become invisible at will, summon fire out of nowhere, change shape into bird or animal, shoot light from their body, and fire poisoned arrows at you, which if they hit and kill you, will make you into a will-o'-the-wisp servant of the Pukwudgie. These tiny pests are not to be trifled with. Will-o'-the-wisps are used by the Pukwudgie as lures for travelers who, hypnotized by the light of the spirit, are lured into bogs, off cliffs, and into other dangers that may net the Pukwudgie a new will-o'-the-wisp out of the fallen traveler. They are known to play innocent and malicious tricks on humans, and in some cases, help humans who they encounter. The Pukwudgie are connected to the Wampanoag creation giant, Mausop. The story goes like this. Mausop was a much-beloved spirit of the Wampanoag people. The Pukwudgie saw this and were jealous. They, too, wanted to be beloved by the Wampanoag people. So, they set out to help them by playing beneficial tricks on them. But the tricks always backfired, infuriating the Wampanoags instead of making them love the Pukwudgies. As this continued, the Pukwudgie tricks became more malicious and more dangerous. So, eventually, the tribe was forced to seek out Mousehop's wife, Granny Squanet and they begged her to ask Mousehop for help. So, Mousehop ran all over, scooping up all the Pukwudgies and scattering them across the land, exiling them to Delaware. This exile, however, did not last very long. The Pukwudgies came back home, and they were furious at the Wampanoags for their scattering and exile. They started stealing children and burning homes. When Mousehop heard of this, he sent his sons to stop the Pukwudgies, but the Pukwudgies tricked and slayed all five of Mousop and Granny Squanet's sons. The giant and the sea queen then murdered as many of the Pukwudgies as they could before the mystical beings vanished into the woods, only to be seen in legends and folklore. They were not completely wiped out by Mousop, apparently for to this day, people in Rhode Island and Massachusetts Reports spotting the strange lights of the Will-o'-the-Wisps and encountering short creatures with dog-like noses and human features, which sometimes will follow them home and peer into their bedroom windows. So, if you're out in Fay Field some dark October night and a strange light beckons you to inspect it further, or a strange squat creature pops up out of the shrubs, say the Lord's Prayer, sprinkle some salt, or pull out your iron, and hope... It decides to be friendly. I have a blazing hot news flash about an amazing local event that you'll want to attend taking place with my friends and neighbors at Emerald Frog, Reiki, and more in Cranston. The event is the first annual Spooky Soiree. You can come on in and take part in lots of great activities. They will be hosting readings, chair massages, Reiki, shamanistic energy healing, spiritual counseling, and light language intuitive alignment technique. There will also be tons of tasty 
tasty snacks and ghoulish goodie bags to have as a treat. Be sure to save the date, Friday, October 28th, 2022, at 6 p.m., and pay a visit to the new Emerald Frog Reiki and Moore location, situated conveniently at 1844 Broad Street in Cranston, Rhode Island, 02905. Emerald Frog Reiki and Moore is an alternative health and holistic service, helping the Edgewood and Patuxet communities. Come enjoy an evening of fun, friends, and food this spooky season. I want to tell you about my friend Mike and his electromagnetic pinball museum and restoration arcade. It's an all-inclusive place to relax and share anything related to modern pinball, EM pinball, and arcade games. A group of pinball and arcade fans with an addiction to games of all kinds and Lego too. $10 gets you free play on pinball and arcade games all day. You can find them at 881 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or online at www.electromagneticpinballmuseum.com. My sister and I walked home from church together in long black skirts and ruffled white tops, sometimes with gloves, sometimes not. Sometimes we were in a hurry to get pancakes, as told in episode 13. But this was dangerous if you ran, because the skirts were very straight, so your steps were short and it was easy to trip. Sometimes, if nobody was around and we were cold or hungry, we would pick up our skirts and run. This was also risky, because your hands were so full it made you slower. This was something I never worried about until one day. It was bright and shiny. The sun was cheery, with adorable cotton ball clouds slowly blowing by. My sister and I were in the children's choir and had performed with everyone else that morning. That meant black and whites for church and being very careful at coffee hour not to spill in our tops. Hawaiian punch on your white shirt would never be popular with the folks, and we were always vying for ice cream, the exception to the no sugar rule. So we went carefully through church and Sunday school and coffee hour. But by the time we left there, we were in high spirits. Our singing went well, and the afternoon soon would be ours to fritter away riding bikes or skates. So we were singing as we crossed the street the church was on. We were harmonizing our parts and laughing and perhaps a little squealing as we got to the other side. We started down the sidewalk towards home. But as we passed the first house, out of the corner of my eye I saw movement. But I was distracted, talking with my sister. I didn't notice anything until I heard it. A low growl, so loud and close, I started. I said to my sister, who was three years younger and half my size, It's okay. It's just a dog like at Mrs. S's house. Mrs. S, a few years before, had been her after-school babysitter, and she had a St. Bernard, a giant love muffin of a beast that tiny sis took naps on. Let us be clear. That was to calm her down. The only thing those two dogs had in common was the breed. This animal looked at me and snapped, drooled, barked, and lunged, trying to get us to run. My sister looked away and picked up her skirts. I knew what came next. In my young mind's eye, I saw the result. I grabbed her by the back of her shirt and her hand. She turned to me, her eyes wild with fear. This beast was easily twice to three times her size. Don't look at it or run, I had said in my most serious sisterly voice. It followed us, literally getting its drool on our necks. Barking and getting closer as we marched slowly, holding hands down the street. 
Where were all the neighbors now? How had we never seen this dog before? How can I get help before my sister panics and runs? These questions all ran through my mind as I tried to appear confident and in control for my sister and the hound. At three quarters of the way up the street, I feel her start to pull away. The beast was right behind us. We still had at least as far to go as we had already come. If we ran, we would be caught, with nobody in sight to help us. At the corner, there were high bushes, and behind them, hidden from our current view, was a mailbox. So I said to her, Once we reach the mailbox, pick up your skirts and run the rest of the way home. and Get Mom and Dad. I'll come after you. At the time, I was thinking of books that I had read about of what to do with sharks. So I figured if the dog lunged to bite me, I would sacrifice my arm for my sister to get to safety and protect myself as well. So when we reached the corner, I let go of her hand and she ran towards home and hopefully safety. I turned, determined to fight for my life, her life. I turned back around the corner. The dog was halfway back towards the first house. I stood there, stunned, then turned to hide around the hedge. Peeking back, I saw it halfway staring at me. That was enough, and I ran as if the demons of hell themselves pursued me. Back to the apparent safety of the house on the corner. We never saw that dog again. Thank you again for joining us today at the PG. If you have ghost stories, questions, or comments, you can contact us. Our email is jess at patuxetgeneral.com. We are doing a spooky spectacular this month with all sorts of local scary stories and readings. So please, reach out with your faves. But until then, I'll meet you right back here next time at the Patuxet General. A Something for Posterity production. Pre-recorded in Patuxet.